0: This is the PW Grocer Environmental Echo, and I am your host today, Paul Boyce, the president and CEO of PWGC. Uh, today, we've got a couple of really great guests, especially uh, to, to my right. That would be Legislator Rob Calarco from the 7th District of Suffolk County. Uh, we we're really fortunate and glad to have him here. Uh, he's, he was elected to the legislature in 2011, I believe. That was the first time, yes. Started your tenure in 2012. And you're now the presiding officer of the legislature, which yep. is great to hear. Uh, I know you worked your way up from deputy presiding officer and the majority leader also, which is, uh, you know, impressive. And I know your district stretches from probably about
1: Middle Island
0: down to the south shore, which is Fire Island over there, if I'm not mistaken.
1: It, it is. And, and thanks for having me. And yeah, my district's a, a big and unique one because it's southwest Brookhaven Township, and I get the entire beach uh, from uh, Brookhaven Township, which actually takes you from... Uh, the border of Islip, all the way out to West Hampton. Wow. Uh, much longer than people think, but it's just it the is. beach portion. But it's it uh, an important area uh, and, and certainly a vital resource to the, to the, to the residents uh, to be able to have it. It's mostly parkland. That's
0: terrific. But let me also introduce my other guest, which is Charlie Bartha, who is a senior vice president at, the, at PWGC in our engineering group. Charlie, thanks for coming in today. You've been a guest before and you've, you've always got some insightful comments and uh, a lot of good experience to share with us. Of course. Love to do this. All right. Uh, today we're going to be talking to S- Legislator Rob Calarco about a lot of different environmental aspects and challenges that the, the county and his district face here on Long Island. Uh, These are going to vary from wastewater topics to dredging to, uh, you know, resiliency is always a hot one, Uh, water quality issues, um, what the county is doing with innovative alternative wastewater treatment systems, Uh, and, you know, something that really caught my eye recently is I saw it in the paper last week, they got a lot of money to spend on uh, preserving some farmland, which that seemed really interesting to me. And then also, uh, a lot of us know for, you know, listening to the news and watching TV, you can't avoid it. There's a couple trillion dollar infrastructure bill that's, that's hopefully going to get passed real soon. Uh, we may not see that money immediately, but if it does get passed, it could mean really good things for, uh, for not only Suffolk County and Long Island, but the entire region, which we're really excited to, to, to hear what Rob's thoughts are on some of that stuff. So, Rob, why don't we just, uh, we'll get started on this. You know, um, I know you're, you're based in Patchogue, but you, you grew up in Auburn, New York. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm originally from upstate New York, and I migrated to Long Island to go to college. went to Dowling College, played lacrosse for them, uh, and was an avionics major to begin with, and uh, uh, quickly changed to political science and, uh, and and made a career here in Suffolk County. was fortunate enough to uh, land a job working for a legislator while still in college, finishing up uh, at Dowling uh and and never left and and it's a great place to be
0: well we're glad glad and lucky to have you too i mean it's it's been a pleasure to work with you over the last couple of years and to get to know you but the first topic we do want to touch on is something that's really near and dear to the region it's it's a big issue um it's something that the county exec has been pushing real strong it has to do with water quality and it, it really pertains to wastewater. Uh, you know, nitrogen's been a big aspect here in Long Island is in terms of uh, affecting our water supply and the quality of our surface waters, our bays, you know, streams, creeks, ponds, lakes. I, I, you know, it, it just comes and goes in, in many different ways. And, and I know you've been a part of, you know, um, the sewering of different aspects Absolutely. or different areas of Suffolk County. Uh, and to start with, there were, there were four areas that they're, we're looking at right now, which includes the Carls River, uh, was the Great River, which has kind of switched over to Sable now, uh, Patchogue, which is your district, and Mastic Shirley; uh, these were all targeted by the county for upgrades in, in, for wastewater improvement uh, following the week of Superstorm Sandy. What are your thoughts on that? What, how do you see that all working out? You know, we're all working to hopefully push this forward and, and you know make a real strong impact.
1: Yeah, listen, water is our most important resource here in, on the island, both for recreational purposes and and for. The sustainability of the island uh especially sitting on top of an aquifer we, we mentioned i'm from upstate new york i always joke with people because we had sewers where i grew up and not just in my town of auburn but all along the uh both sides of the lake of we Auburn sits on the top of Lake Owasco, which is part of the Finger Lake system, because that's our drinking water system. That's our that's our economy. That's tourism. That's such an important resource. And that is something that we need to do here in Suffolk County. And it, it is the most important project that we can do is installing sewers or making the upgrades to the IA systems where we need to. But certainly along the South Shore, the coastal regions here, whether it's in the Forge River, the Connectquat River, the Patchog River, or, or uh, the Carls River, those those areas need to get these sewers in place so we can take the nitrogen out before it gets into our surface waters and creates those alga blooms that are killing off the shellfish and and killing off the the native uh wetlands that help cushion the blow when those next big super storm sandy comes
0: rob well said i mean it's it's something that pw grocer pwgc we've been working on for a while now um Charlie,
2: you want to add to anything on that? Uh, when you look at the decline of the shellfishing, you mentioned shellfishing, in the Great South Bay and Patchogue area, it's shocking. Um, and I I remember in the 70s, uh, everybody, you know, every teenager was was raking clams. And uh, we had uh, some guests, uh, some clients over uh, to Fire Island yesterday who were from the Kansas area. And they were amazed, uh, you know, because I was giving them the history of how the the bay has deteriorated and the whole – simply the fact that, you know, your sewage goes into the ground, into the sole source aquifer, as you mentioned. And you were one of the people who came from outside the area, and it's amazing to see that, right? It's uh, tough to figure.
1: It's something where I think that uh, in in the past we kind of overlooked it because it was such an easy solution Mm -hmm. and uh, nobody kind of – did the did the the long-term thought process of what it happens with the nitrogen you know yes those sandy soils clean out the the contamination in terms of bacteria but they don't help with that nitrogen load
0: absolutely um you know I hate to say we're, we're paying for the sins of the past now but you know all that development back in like the 50s 60s and 70s that's you know the, the age of the the groundwater and, and what it, the rate it, what it travels and how long it takes to reach the bay. You know, the stu- and how long we've been putting this stuff into the ground. You know, it's, it's what people don't realize. It's not like we can wave a magic wand and make it all disappear overnight. This is going to be a long-term process to, to clean it up. But I, I'm glad to see that we have the, the will and the initiative to, to undertake this and move it forward.
1: Yeah, these projects are the biggest expansion of sewers that, that Suffolk will see since Southwest uh, Sewer District was created. And, and I understand that there were scandals in the, in, when that district was being built, and, and that led to the hesitation to, to move forward. But we are in a place now where we, we need to do this for the, the, the health of, our, uh, our, of the Great South Bay, the health of our estuaries, and to be able to have our economy move forward and people be able to stay on Long Island.
0: Again well said you know it's it, people don't really appreciate or understand that we live,
2: work, and play on top of our drinking water mm. you know and and it's, it's it, sewers are a big part of the solution, obviously, but there's other parts, and the county recently adopted the innovative alternative systems and w- When I first moved to Suffolk County, which was actually to work on the Southwest sewer district, it was nineteen seventy 273 and the i was having a new house built and i remember the builder complaining about the health department is now requiring septic tanks which is (laughs) going to add like a thousand dollars to the price of the house and you know it's a bigger number now with the innovative alternative systems but it's a real solution um so
1: it it's a, a it's one of the most critical parts of the equation because sewers while are the best treatment are very expensive. And they're not going to be the right fit for everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of neighborhoods on Long Island where you're gonna want those alternative systems that pull that nitrogen out. It's like a little mini sewage treatment plant in your backyard when mm-hmm. you think about it. And it will pull that nitrogen out, treat, your, treat it, but it's affordable for homeowners to, to install Right. And, and we're hearing the same complaints from the, from the home builders <laughs> now about <laughs> the new requirement yeah. that all new construction's going to require those IA systems right. in Suffolk County.
0: Rob, that that was one of my next topics was the innovative alternative systems for treating this stuff. So, I mean, and it's great that the county is now, you know, pushing these and, you know, trying to move this forward again to get some of this nitrogen out of the groundwater um can you tell us about maybe some of the financial incentives that the county has to help homeowners with these types of
1: systems sure so we we created a a grant program using some funds that are set aside out of the the quarter percent sales tax monies that are used for open space and water quality and sewers Uh, and the voters agreed to to put some of these aside for these ia systems so we're making grants available to homeowners now and while 10 to fifteen thousand comes from the county we are also because we've been leaders in the state with this program, we've been very successful at, at securing state grant funds as well. So now homeowners can get up to $30,000 to offset the cost of installing these systems uh, in their backyards. Uh, and that is really going to make it av- available to folks. And what we've also done is streamlined the process so that uh, people can install them when they need to. Because the reality is nobody's replacing their septic system without a... a a requirement to either mostly because their system fails and mm-hmm. they need to put a new one in. Well, if your system fails, you can't wait three weeks or four weeks or five weeks for the county to approve your grant program. We need to turn that around for you in a day or two so that you can get that new system installed and use the IA system. So that's what we're we're doing now. We've made it a much more streamlined process so people can get turned around in that. So that when they have that critical failure, if they could get an IA system in, they can afford to put that IA system in, and that is going to benefit us all over the long term. And how
0: available are these systems? Are they you know i don't want to say they're in stock or they're you know a shelf item i mean they are you know fairly large thing you got to put in the ground
1: we we have about uh, i think eight or nine different types of systems that have been approved by the county for use uh and they're there you go to uh, a private installer and we have uh people who are now licensed as a specialized license under our our county um Department of Consumer Affairs, but now people um, will be able to get those. And, and the market is responding. And in fact, the pricing is actually starting to come down as the market is responding. These aren't new. Uh, they're new to Long Island, but they're not new. They've, they've yeah. been around in other parts of the country. Uh, so the manufacturers are out there and ready to respond.
2: Who do people contact about the grant program?
1: So they could go to reclaimourwater.org, O-R-G, and they can fill out the full application process right there. Everything is done online, so you don't have to you know, print out uh, big plans duplicate and duplicate and submit them to the health department. You can do it all right there on, the, on that inter- uh, portal through Reclaim so then Our So a, a
0: homeowner gets a check after the fact or before the fact? How does it, how does it work?
1: The check will actually go to your, your installer. To the so you will So you will go through the process, and you'll tell us who you're going to utilize, and the, the check will go directly to the installer uh, so that the homeowner doesn't have to worry about that
2: money coming in between. And it's need-based, the amount of the grants?
1: Some of it is need-based, so if you have uh, a lower income, we will pay for the cost of your design professional, which is not normally part of the grant. Uh, but it, it does have, uh, at the lower end of the grants, it's available to just about anybody. Uh, and as your, your income level um, goes down, you are eligible for a little bit higher amounts.
0: That is, that's really helpful.
1: Yeah, listen, we know things are expensive on Long Island and just because um, most middle-class homeowners are, again you're not going to have that extra ten fifteen thousand dollars laying around to put in an ia system it's just it, that's a lot of money for for most a- households regardless of what your incomes are so we want to make sure that those grants are available to everybody who needs it and we're working on trying to figure out a way now to help homeowners or home buyers who are looking to buy that new home and, and make those affordable as well because we know especially right now real estate is is uh very expensive uh right now it is for sure (laughs) the building new homes is very expensive lumber has gone up uh just about the price of everything has gone up labor is at a premium lands at a premium so we want to make sure that we find a way to offset that that increased cost so that new homes remain affordable for the middle class as well
0: terrific and i know this program's only been around say a couple of years now but what kind of you know interest or participation have you seen
1: oh we've seen Uh, Some some real high numbers. We we have hundreds of systems that have already been installed, and and I think over a thousand applications that have been approved at this point in time. So we have seen some real demand, and this is the despite the fact that we ran into a little challenge uh, with the the taxable status of the grants, Mm, Uh, and uh, our our controller decided that he needed to issue 1099s, which in 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 effect makes that grant income that you have to report to the IRS uh, and makes it taxable. We uh, we, meaning most of us in the legislature and the county executive and our law department, uh, disagreed with that opinion. Uh, and we are currently trying to get a clarity from the IRS. And we're hopeful that that will come soon. And we're we're pretty sure they're going to decide in our favor and, and, and that these grants, because they go directly to the installer and not to the homeowner, are not taxable.
0: Excellent. Now, have you seen like one part of the county or one area of the county participate more heavily? So like the North Fork, South Fork? South Shore, North Shore, Western End, Middle?
1: Is it all over the place? It's it's been really scattered throughout the county, but I I would say on the East End, you're seeing a little bit more. uh, And it's not just because of the county program. Out on the East End, you have a couple other things that have happened. One, they've required them sooner than than we have in terms of new construction. The towns have have passed their own regulations. uh, And they also have put funds from their CPF, their Community Preservation Fund, towards the installation costs as well. So they helped offset some of the costs uh, a little bit more at the initial front. Uh, but it is uh, well-received throughout uh, throughout Long Island. Well, I should say Suffolk County.
0: Certainly Suffolk. I know Nassau's mostly sewered, and hopefully yes. Suffolk's going to be there one day, too, and uh, we'll have one big happy island
2: here, huh? Yeah, with a variety of solutions. The, you know, the uh, county has gotten away from the regional sewage treatment plant concepts, and, you know, you have proposed... Numerous smaller plants, which it makes it easier to cite, because uh, citing a sewage treatment plant is always a difficult thing. So uh, that's uh, that's part of the solution. These IA systems, are another part of the solution. So uh, it's great that the county's involved in that.
1: Yeah, you need to have that multiple solution. One of the things that I think discouraged sewage plants in the past was this idea that it would help prevent. Growth and 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 dense development, Uh, and you know certainly Suffolk County by and large is is a suburban county, uh, at least in in the five western towns. Uh, Once you get further east, you get more rural. Uh, But and there's never there's been a desire to keep us that way, and I think some of the the past decisions were made on on the point of. Well, if you don't have sewers, you can't have that kind of density mm-hmm. of development. And that has made some neighborhoods develop in, in the fashion that they are. And that's why sewers probably won't be economically viable and, and, and appropriate. And that's where those IAs become that alternative solution.
2: And it, it's even possible, certainly, with the, these systems now, where you can have more than one home on them. You know, you could have a... a, a a block which cluster. requires yeah. some other you know legislation and
1: we we recently uh, uh, adopted those codes so that's exactly where we're moving now charlie so that uh maybe you get a subdivision that's being built and instead of putting one new system in each house they create one centralized location mm-hmm. it is actually we we just approved a grant for fire island uh to do a study for the the barrier island of how do we provide for wastewater treatment there because if you think about it you have all those different communities especially on the western end of fire island that have a lot of density where is their wastewater going well Mm -hmm. (laughs) it goes into cesspools underneath their homes for the most part Mm -hmm. with the exception of one community that has sewers and those homeowners have had to actually add sand under their house to prevent to provide the distance that they need to have those systems so we really need to start looking at it for them as well because their wastewater when it goes into the ground Goes back into the bay and creates the same pollution problem as you get on the mainland.
0: All right. Time to change gears a little bit. All right. Uh, I want to talk about dredging. Dredging. All right. You know, it's, that's a countywide issue. We, we are an island, right? We rely on our waterways. Um, recently, there's been some, you know, a little bit of controversy maybe over in the town of Islip area when, on the Browns River where there was a, a boating accident that they're attributing possibly sure. to be related to the lack of dredging over there. Um, it has a lot to do with you know uh, obviously we've got to take this spoils out of the out of these creeks these waterways the rivers the, the canals it's tough to find a place to put it it's tough to place to find a dispose of it depending on what's in it um and i i know that the county's got you know a whole highways and waterways department that has to oversee this type of stuff what what's going on let's just say like with the Patchog river you know that's one that i'm very familiar with i live sure. not too far from there it's we enjoy going to dinner there and boating on the river and everything and
1: yeah listen i mean Patchog river got a, a substantial dredging uh, about 10 years ago and it's been holding up fairly well for them but i could tell you in, in my district it is an issue we have small estuaries all, all along so whether it's mud creek or swan river or, or Abbotts creek there's a number of, of locations and this is all along the south shore of long island uh, and some northern, uh, northern shore ports as well that need to be dredged out Uh, in fact we're going to be doing a major one in in miller place uh, coming up pretty soon Um, that is one of the most difficult issues for us to deal with because you get very limited time frames because you have to work around the the fish spawning seasons and, and and the different uh parts of the year so you really get about three months of time to do dredging on long island
2: uh it's not a lot of time yeah, and that's that's a big part of the problem and another part of the problem is you, you touched on initially is getting rid of the dredged materials um sometimes they have contaminants in them that you're concerned about um other times it's just where are you going to put the material and it's a, as the island has become more and more developed it's been a bigger problem yeah,
1: you're, you're right Charlie. i mean in my district i have swan river they yeah. were we had to just did an emergency dredging because the winter was so tough on it that it had a shoaling that almost closed the mouth of the river off. Uh, And if you had a a slightly larger boat, you were not getting through, uh, especially at low tide. So we were able to to luckily get a permit very very quickly from the state and and the Army Corps of Engineers uh, and get in there and do some mechanical dredging. But we had a place to place that material. I have over in Quarry Creek, which is in Blue Point, another uh, very heavily utilized uh, creek that for for boaters, and it is in dire need of dredging, and we have no place that, that we can be authorized to place those we'll spoils, which makes it very dry. difficult. Yeah.
0: I mean, so what do we do? What's the, what's the answer? How, how do we solve this problem, guys? I mean, it's, it's a
2: challenge, you know? Well, I, I was involved in the permitting for the Patchogue River, as you mentioned uh, before. What we did there is we used these geotubes, uh, basically a very big sock that you pump the material into and add some polymers, which facilitated the dewatering of the, of the material. And then it went, after it dried a little more, uh, Brookhaven Town took it as alternate daily cover at the landfill. So it's uh, a beneficial reuse is uh, a term of art. But, but you uh, still
0: need a place to, to put these really long yes, tube socks yeah. that are probably eight, ten feet in diameter. Yeah. But little, it's little uh, uh, it's satellite. less
2: space than you need if you're going to build a dike and just pump the material in. But it still is substantial. And, and in that case, there was a, a former oil terminal site that was vacant. We were able to use. So
1: I think this is one of those times where you have to – to to turn to your your design, your your engineers your professionals and 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 ask them to help come up with the creative solutions that that get you through those challenges Oh, that's
0: what we love to do rob <laughs> <laughs> and we're working on an interesting i mentioned the uh browns river in the town of Iceland we're actually involved with that project um and that seems to be almost threefold you got the county is involved because they own some of the land where some of the dredge spoils are uh, the town of Islip, and also the Army Corps, where the guys are going to be doing the dredging work, you know, or overseeing it, and uh, the, just the challenge of getting three different levels of government to kind of see eye to eye and uh, come to to an agreement on on how to handle it. Mm-hmm. But you're right; there are creative solutions. Sometimes it's not that easy to get um, you know buy-in. Mm-hmm
1: yeah and I think that's where you, you, you got to have you, you, you got to take the step back and, and those of us in the political role need to be able to take the step back and listen to the professionals who know what they're doing and, and kind of uh, and let them come up with those creative solutions and and be willing to try it you know one of the things that I think that uh, uh, we don't always do so well is we we're, we're always hesitant to try something new uh, because uh, I don't know I guess new is tough sometimes but if you if you if you really want to figure out how do you get to Those solutions to the difficult problems, you have to be willing to try something new once in a while.
0: Well, some of the the new things, as as Charlie mentioned, is what do we do with the stuff once it's you know dried out and ready to Mm -hmm. get rid of it? You know, it's it's alternative cover for a landfill, or maybe it's mixing some of the organics to make a topsoil for a farm. You know, these uh, beneficial use determinations that Mm -hmm. the state can hand out. You know, we've we've looked into that, and uh, we're going to keep looking into those. So.
1: Absolutely, and and listen, I think that if we could find a way to make it into a topsoil or turn it into some sort of uh, beneficial product that you could f- spread on uh, on acreage for for farmland, and and maybe you can't put it on the vegetable farms, but maybe for horticulture mm-hmm. you can. Uh, it there's would a be a lot of sod farms
2: out east. There's a lot of
1: sod farms. There's a <laughs> there's a lot of money and, and other types of farming as well, mm-hmm. whether it's ornamentals or or other um, mm-hmm. uh, agricultural products that aren't uh, you know uh, used for for food purposes
0: all right changing gears again on you resiliency you know yes. uh Superstorm sandy we're coming up on that anniversary again towards the end of well almost two months two plus months from now but uh that's you know we're still reeling from some of the effects of that you know i still see houses being raised and uh people coming up with creative ideas as to how to you know make this island more resilient in terms of uh you know it could be anything from our healthcare facilities to our wastewater treatment plants you know all of this is ongoing and, and i know this was a, a, a big topic for you, for certainly your district as well as the county as a whole um, can you just tell us about some of the things maybe that Suffolk County is involved in in terms of, you know, resiliencies or studies?
1: Sure. We, we are we right now are uh, just about to begin work on a resiliency study for Suffolk County uh, to really kind of look at the big picture of what we need to do to be prepared for the ever moving targets uh, Mm -hmm. that climate change is presenting to us and i know there was a a big report uh uh, recently out of uh, the un about how it's just uh becoming a more exasperated problem uh and that we're 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 more and more seeing the inability to to divert from so we have to think about what do we need to do whether it's uh along the beach and, and shoring up the fire island shoring up the south shore of long island raising homes but also just improving our infrastructure whether, it, whether it's bridges uh or or simple things like culverts and and water drainage uh all of those things are going to need to be upgraded to be able to handle the larger water volumes and to be able to protect the south shore more
0: I mean, it's, you know, you, you hit home with me, I'm a surfer, I love the beaches, I love Fire Island, I'm over there frequently, you know, it's it's a great place, but, you, you know, you, you mentioned they've got to raise the sand under their homes to put in sanitary systems, but, you know, we're seeing sea level rise, it's coming up, you know, I mean, it's going to take a real strong will and, uh, un- unfortunately, a lot of money to to address some of these things to, to to make these things more resilient, to, to to keep them there for future generations. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, l- luckily we're we're in the midst of actually seeing the federal government implement the the Fire Island the Montauk uh, uh, plan, yep. uh, which was something that had been talked about for I don't know forty years or so, uh, and they are finally implementing some of those portions of it, which is great. We we uh, reestablished the dune line since uh, after Sandy, and it's been holding up very well, uh, but we do have an ongoing cost out in Montauk we have geotubes, as, as charlie mentioned earlier but they are, they're holding sand that are basically giant sandbags that hold back uh the the water and the sand in front of those 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 bags just continue to wash away every year and every year we're putting sand back on that beach and it is a debate and, and there's a debate at the legislature that happens every time we have to appropriate those monies of whether or not we should be hardening the structures, or we should just be retreating. Uh, and that's part of the FIM plan as well, as to start r- that retreat process of buying out homes that are on the water, <laughs> getting those people moving back, or raising those houses up. And, and it's certainly, I, I live in, in the south end of Patchogue Village and homes all around us have been going up. And the reality is, is I, I'm a block away from the water, but during Sandy, I was waterfront property. And so that is something yep. that we have to
2: really address. Charlie, any thoughts on resiliency? Well, you mentioned a lot of the uh, important factors, but you also have uh, one of the county's biggest assets is the Bergen Point Sewage Treatment Plant right on the shoreline. Mm. And that was designed (laughs) looking at (laughs) a uh, three and a half foot uh, flood elevation. Uh, (laughs) All the manholes in the Southwest Sewage District at three and a half feet elevation are watertight because that was what was projected at the time for a major flood. And, you know, you see what's happened now. So that, that's very big. And the county does have bridges, uh, a number of bridges across the, uh, the bays out east. Yeah. Um, and parks at the uh, Timber Point um, and Indian <sighs> Islands, a number of shorefront parks. Smith's Point. Smith's Cups Point. On, that's a big one.
0: Know, yeah. Some really good, you know, features.
1: Absolutely. And, and those are the types of things that we need to be looking at. And certainly when you, you, you we were lucky during Sandy, uh, the, the Bergen point help, held up and, mm-hmm. and, and, and managed. But if you just look a little further further uh, west in Nassau County, uh, they had a sewage treatment plant go underwater and, and it was catastrophic for the whole area.
0: Well, these are the things we need to need to avoid. I'm, I'm glad that the county is taking a look and starting to plan for this now. And I'm just I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, Maybe this leads into one of my next topics, say like this infrastructure bill, where uh, supposedly or hopefully there's going to be trillions of dollars coming out for the entire United States. I know it's not all for Suffolk County, it'd be nice if it was, <laughs> um, but there may be some funding opportunities there to do some really you know, interesting and important work in terms of resiliency. So. Rob, the infrastructure bill, you know, what are your thoughts on that? What are your hopes for, for, for Suffolk County? Yeah,
1: we're, we're excited about the infrastructure bill. We think that there's going to be a lot in there that will be helpful to Suffolk County. Senator Schumer, who's the majority leader, who's moving that bill through through the Senate, uh, has been extremely supportive. He actually was here for a press conference about sewers and making sure the sewer money is oh, in man. there. Uh, we've put about a billion dollars worth of ask into into sewer projects for, for that infrastructure bill. Certainly, we don't expect to get that all. Uh but we are hoping to get some, uh, and that's going to be helpful to to us uh, for our region. Uh, whether it's finishing those those big projects on the four rivers that we talked about, or sewer in Kings Park, or other other communities, or extending into Seville, which is an important uh, a place that we can extend into. Yeah. In fact, in Patchogue Village, uh, the mayor is ready to double the size of his plant, uh, and and he just needs the money to be able to do it, and and that will allow him to expand not just capacity in the village and connecting more homeowners in the village but spend sending his pipes east and west into belport and Saville uh to pick up other areas other downtowns and as well as uh, other other coastal areas that get connected to that sewer district so those are some of the things that we're hoping to get out of it but it's not just the the, the sewers we're hoping to get money for transportation i, I was going to lead into that yeah
0: certainly roads bridges you know highways i mean there's so much you know that we could do
1: there's a lot there that needs to be done. And part of what we talk about creating resiliency is also just the development that we need to do in, in a smart fashion that links our downtowns. And if you're going to link your downtowns, you need to have that transportation network built out. So we have a bus rapid transit system that we're looking to build on Nichols Road and Route 110 Corridor. And we need those financial dollars to help us make those, those connections between our downtowns.
2: All of which ties into the environment as well. Carbon reduction, carbon footprint reduction, all that.
1: It, it, it does, Charlie. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have more people living in your downtowns and, and, and those areas and, those, and, and around transportation hubs like train stations and those BRT routes, that's fewer cars that they have to put on the road. Uh-huh. That's less stressors that they're putting into, into the environmental around you. And it's, it's less encroachment into our open spaces.
2: I I was glad to hear that the uh, county was asked and put in a list of what they're interested in uh, doing, because I recall doing that and different other hopeful runs, uh, but that's, that's great.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think it's all about being proactive. And, and we, we made sure that get really facilitated. And I know there was a process that was very collaborative. So we reached out to the towns, the villages, as well as the design professionals and, and other folks in the industry to talk about what is it that you're seeing that the needs are so that we can pull those, those, those projects into the loop and really give them a comprehensive list of things that are on the cusp and ready to go, because I think that's the other part of it. Uh, You you need to be able to demonstrate that these projects are not pie in the sky, but are actually doable and can be implemented in the near future and put those federal dollars to work right now.
0: Well, we are absolutely looking forward to it, especially as uh, engineers and hydrogeologists and environmental scientists, you know, uh, we're ready.
1: Absolutely, Absolutely. And and you guys have been great partners all throughout. Well,
0: thanks rob um
1: speaking of that you know i just wanted to touch
0: on some of some of the projects where we got to actually know you and work with you and some of your constituents uh, like some surface water quality issues uh like invasive species you know and and this is another ongoing problem for for the county and maybe even the region as a whole uh you know these invasive species which is these you know millwort fan uh the fanwort and milfoil types of you know Um, aquatic weeds if you will you know we worked together with you on Canaan Lake which was recently completed uh, and I hope that the residents are Satisfied and the,
1: happy. It is. It <laughs> with is the a, outcome. It is a beautiful uh, outcome. And I gotta say, it's it's actually one of those examples of where you gotta step back and get creative. And and certainly, you guys at, at PW Grocer were very creative in coming up with a solution because the original plan was to dredge. Dredge. And yep. and it became very apparent that that wasn't really a realistic option. Uh, and and we we took the different course at, at your your. Uh, uh, um, your guidance instead yeah. well, instead of dredging d- drain the lake it's a man-made lake yep. and and dry some of that material out and and, re- and move it there. Uh, and we ran into all sorts of issues with this project, but the reality is is that it actually was a good demonstration project for other areas. It was extremely successful. It's it's very well utilized now. The lake, I've, I stop up there quite frankly to, to check in and see how things are going. And, and um, uh, it's a nice clean lake again. It's nice and clear. I've, it's got the sandy bottom. And I've seen and, and, and heard up. the
0: same, Rob. Yeah, I've seen people out on the kayak now and before you, you couldn't even get a paddle in there with with the weeds it was just
1: you, you unbelievable you, you couldn't you couldn't uh boat you couldn't really even fish yeah. and, and uh because your your lure would just get. Get caught Stuck immediately, it. <laughs> yeah. and uh, uh, it has—it's been a world of change for the community, and people are really flocking to the lake again and using it, which is what it was built for. It was unlike a lot of lakes on Long Island that were built to be mill lakes. You know, they—they they were for the power that, that that generate for lumber mills or yep. lace mills, like in Patchogue. Uh, this was built as a recreational resource in the twenties.
0: Well, the, the, the trick now is going to be to keep it this way, you know, yeah. and, and that's that's the hard part because sediment's going to come and back and the, the geese and the birds are going to be landing there and using it for what they use it for, you know, and you get that organic sediment. Yeah. So it's
2: yeah. just... Yeah, projects like that, everyone has to work in a partnership. And, you know, in this case, it was very difficult for the homeowners surrounding the lake. But you made the tough decision to this is going to take time and you're going to, you know, go along (laughs) with the the engineer's recommendation and it, you know, it worked. So it was a good example of collaboration and that, that took uh, a lot of uh, gumption for yourself to to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, I I was looking for the long-term solution. The Mm -hmm. last thing I wanted to do was, was to, um, Get, get nervous about how long it was going to take, and and second question, and and pull back and and not have that solution that uh-huh. was going to be long term, and so uh, by by reevaluating and taking that step back, and remember when we when we first got in there, that stuff was supposed to dry in place, and it wow. never <laughs> it <laughs> never was, did, it was, yeah. uh, and 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 so we, we had to go and and get that special machine that was basically like a big big bog uh, yep. uh, excavator mm-hmm. and it worked in it, it made the piles and moved the material and then we had to figure out where to put the material because we couldn't couldn't uh, cart it away as it originally thought and we built up some of those wetland areas on the on the shore uh, which have actually turned out to be really nice new access points for the community so uh, uh, the community has brought out chairs and picnic tables yes. and have taken <laughs> over those those areas as as newfound parkland and new access points and people are able to get into the lake and, and use it and certainly uh, the next step the big step there is uh, the, the, the trout is going to be stocked this fall by the oh, D C wow. so that, that. Uh, wow. they'll, they'll <laughs> have a little bit more fish back in the lake as wow. well
0: outstanding that's really good yeah. news hadn't heard that I'll have to get a fishing license and get up there one day. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rob, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I I do have one more topic that, you know, I I mentioned to you before the start of the podcast, saw it in the paper last week, and I thought it was an absolutely terrific initiative on the county's part. And that was, uh, you know, it looks like you guys have a hundred million dollars to spend on the preservation of some farmland here in Suffolk County, which, you know, we uh, always back to our roots was uh, an agricultural and a rural type of place. and, And I think that's absolutely terrific. Um, Can you tell us about, you know, what the plan is? I mean, I heard somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe ten thousand acres of farmland. I mean, it's, that's
1: tremendous. That's the goal. So back in and I believe it was 1970, there was a study done by the county that said we needed to preserve thirty thousand acres of agricultural use in order to preserve our agricultural industry in Suffolk County, our, our farming industry. Uh, and we have made a lot of good progress on that. And, and it was that study that created the first the first PDR program, the, the purchase of development rights. Uh, so that we would start buying those development rights and that's how we preserve this farmland. And uh, we've done really good between the county and the East End Towns with their, with their community preservation fund that goes towards farmland acquisition. Uh, we've preserved 20,000, but we're still coming up short of that 30,000 target. This $100 million investment that uh, will be over the course of a number of years mm-hmm. uh, is intended to get those last 10,000 acres purchased and preserved so that we make sure that Farming remains a viable industry in Suffolk County, and this is this has got a, a few components to it when you think about it. First and foremost, farming is an industry; it's a business, uh, and and it's an important economic business here in Suffolk County. We're the fourth largest producer uh, of agricultural products in the state of New York uh, oh, by wow. county, and and here's the reality is. Only seven, eight years ago, we were the number one producer in the state of New York. So we have started to see slippage in, in that production. So we wanna make sure that we protect that industry and what it means uh, for our region. and. The second part of it is the environmental end of it. Mm-hmm. You know, preserving those those acres as farmland helps preserve them uh, for the environmental purposes that you want to have. It helps pr- provide for that water recharge in those areas. It helps prevent that overdevelopment in those regions, and that adds to the third part of it, which is our tourism economy. At the end of the day, people who visit the East End, especially who come out from other parts of the country, uh, they're doing it to see the bucolic beauty of of our East End, and you you need to preserve that agricultural. Component of it, so that you have that bucolic beauty.
0: I agree. i like I said. I was really excited when I saw that in the paper, heard it on the news, and uh, and I know it's going to be a multi-year process. But I'm looking again, something else I'm looking forward to as a, as a county resident. So. Thank right. you, Rob.
2: Charlie, anything you want I, to add to that? I, I recall those kind of votes often being uh, Western versus Eastern. Um, was this uh, pretty much unanimously accepted by the legislators? Uh, I
1: think it will be. It's The proposal will be in this capital budget. We're a little mm-hmm. delayed because of the pandemic. So the capital budget is going to happen in, in the next couple months as opposed to in, the, in spring when we usually do it. Uh, but I suspect it's going to remain in there and that mm-hmm. the legislators are going to fully support it. It seems, you know, listen, I think uh, in this era, uh, uh, and certainly in this legislative body that that I serve in, there's an understanding by legislators across the spectrum that there is a, a value to all of us to preserve our open spaces mm-hmm. and to preserve that, that farmland, and that it does add to, to everyone. So even though you may be in the town of Babylon, there there is a benefit to your residents mm-hmm. to make sure that you're buying that farmland. And there's a few last little acres in Babylon and Huntington and Islip and, that need to be purchased as mm-hmm. well.
0: Good. Glad to hear that. So we can spread it around a little bit. huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there terrific. are still a few acres here and there, a few pocket farms that manage to, to resist the pressures. And yeah. those are actually as important, in my opinion, to preserve as the big couple hundred acre farm out east because so. it, it, it preserves a little piece of that in, in those communities that otherwise would just become more developed and see more houses or, 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 and it gives those folks something a little closer and easier to get to.
0: Sounds terrific. Well, any closing thoughts or anything you want to add before we wrap up our podcast for today, Rob? Yeah,
1: I just want to thank you for having me on. This has been been great and we've talked about a lot of important topics. We but, did, yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, all of these types of things that we're doing, if you don't have the professionals, the engineers, to help you figure out how to make it happen, nothing happens. So, uh, thank you to you guys for all the work you do.
0: Well, we, we appreciate your support and, uh, and the opportunity to work with you and the county on, on the current projects and some future projects. Charlie, any thoughts to no, wrap it's it up?
2: A, it's a, it's a, it certainly has been a pleasure to work with you and know you, and I uh, hope you're in government for a long time. I appreciate that, Charlie. <laughs> All right. So, I, again,
0: I just want to thank uh, presiding officer of the Suffolk County uh, Legislature, uh, Rob Calarco, for joining us today and, and spending a few minutes to, to give us his thoughts on some really important environmental topics to to the area and the region if you want to look at it as a whole. I also want to thank Charlie Bartha, our senior vice president in our engineering group at PWGC for joining us. I did forget to mention at the beginning of this, he is a former commissioner of DPW for Suffolk County. You know, it was a I don't want to say it was a past life ago, but it was, you know, <laughs> yeah, a little while ago, but now, now he's a significant back in, portion of my life. And it was an important <laughs> part. We appreciate that. And I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. Uh, I am again your host Paul Boyce, uh, president and CEO of PW Grocer Consulting, and this was the Environmental Echo. Again, if you guys want to reach out to us, our website address is backslash podcast And again, thank you, listeners. We enjoyed your time.